We are in Romans chapter 15, Romans chapter 15, and we spoke generally on Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 13 last week. Now we're going to look at the verses more specifically. Romans chapter 15, verse 1, reading from verse 1. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those without strength and not just please ourselves. For each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus so that with one accord you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Okay, so in verse 1, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those without strength and not just please ourselves. So you recall from chapter 14 of Romans, verse 1, It says, now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinion. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. The one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. So, who are the weak ones? The weak ones are the ones that are refraining. The ones that do not eat vegetable, the ones that eat, that do not eat meat but eat vegetables only, those are the weak ones according to Paul. When you have total freedom, you can enjoy that in the amoral things. Now there are certainly issues of, of morality which in fact the church is told to make judgments upon. So for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, there is uh, uh, an incident where a young man is sleeping with his father's Wife, So he's sleeping with his stepmother. And Paul said, you know, you got to deal with this. You absolutely have to deal with this. And they dealt with it extremely harshly. I mean, they followed it. And then in 2 Corinthians, he comes back at them and he says, okay, now love this guy. He, he, he listened to you, you love this guy. So there's certain things that the church is commanded to make judgments upon. And then there's other things, amoral issues, if somebody does not want to eat meat because they may have believed it, it's sacrificed to an idol. And he's not talking about for health reasons. But he says that we are that, that uh, we're to bear the weaknesses of those who are without strength and not just please ourselves. So now he appeals to the strong in chapter 15, verse 1. He's appealing to the strong. He says, as the strong ones, you are not to do things that bring offense to your brother. You're not to do things. And he says, he points out something really interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. And we read this whole portion last week. It talked about meat sacrificed to idols. But he says, however, not all men have this knowledge, but some, being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol. And their consciences, being weak, is defiled. So there were people that had come out of the practice of having meat sacrificed to idols before they would eat of it. 
And he says, because of that, their consciences have been made weak. He says, it says, because being accustomed to the idol until now. He had just above that said, you know, there's no such thing as a, as a real idol. There's only one God. But because of these people, they come out of it. You see what they're, they are accustomed to. So for example, and I, uh, uh, before I got saved, I had been addicted to pornography. And, and it is, it is a, you know, it just, it's like all addictions, it grabs hold of a person's life. The day I got saved, I was delivered from pornography. That is unusual, but the Lord used that sin to convict me of my sin, and He used that, that, the deliverance from that to show me His power. But because of that, I am particularly careful. So if there's a movie and there's some love scene, I will immediately just fast forward through that thing. Because I don't want to even go back to it because because of, of what my past is. If somebody is an alcoholic, even though we are absolutely free to, to drink alcohol in, in Christ, we are free to do this, we are not to be drunkards, but if somebody has come out of a life of alcoholism, they have to absolutely refrain because of what they were accustomed to. And that's why you'll find in some churches or do exactly what they should do when they take communion. Now, for example, this church, this Baptist church, it uses grape juice. Jesus, that's fine. That, that's what the church has decided. Jesus wasn't using grape juice. He was absolutely using alcohol. There are other churches which feel that, that Jesus used alcohol and, 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 uh, at, at, at the Last Supper and, and that when, when there are these, uh, um, when you take the Lord's Supper, you should be using ethanol. You should not be using H2O. You should be using ethanol. And so in those churches, for example, in some, uh, uh, some Lutheran churches, they'll have alcohol and they'll have grape juice. So for those that have struggled with this, they use grape juice. This is exactly the way you can accommodate for people. This is a good thing. They are making accommodation. Some people think scripturally it should only be with, with alcohol. Fine. Accommodate that. But those who are, were accustomed to over drinking of, of alcohol, it's great to have just grape juice for them. And, uh, uh, because just a little bit can, can, uh, um, cause their minds to just start going crazy yearning for it. And so this is the accommodations that we are supposed to make one for the other. Because, because of, uh, what their background had been. Verse two. For each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. This is the whole message of the gospel. It is pleasing the other person. And he takes this and he melds this into marriage. If, if this word, if this thought, if this action is not in the other's best interest, it is not the love of God. The love of God is always in the other's best interest. And this is why in, in relationships between young men and young women, if this word, if this thought, if this action is not in the other's best interest, it is not the love of God. We are to be doing things for the other person. Jesus continue, continually calls us out of our own selfishness into being selfless and giving to the other. This is the testimony of the Christian life. This is what, what we teach our children. We teach our children to, to set up chairs, to do things, to be helpful in the body of Christ. We teach them to do this and we are encouraged when they do. Uh, uh, Christine and Eric, their, their kids come over and they help Shireen set up tables. And, and uh, uh, 
And, and so, so to have these boys help is a good thing. This is what you do with children. You teach them to be servants in the body of Christ. This is what we do with college students. I have found that if you challenge college students and you say, you know, you really ought to be doing this, help with the chairs, help with the setup, help with dishes, help with things, they will do it, but they just haven't been instructed generally. And uh, uh, they will help out. This is what we are supposed to do. We are not supposed to please ourselves. It's always to be in the other's best interest. This is what we're supposed to model. Jesus continually calling us beyond ourselves. And he says, the strong ones, he says, I've called you strong throughout this, this chapter and a half. I've called you the strong ones. I want the strong ones. Those who are free to partake, to refrain from partaking at times when it could bring an offense. Refrain from partaking. This is what he's calling the strong ones to do. Verse 3, For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And uh, um, this is this is uh, uh, a strange sort of verse. This is really a strange sort of verse here. The reproaches, he says, For even Christ did not please himself. He did not please himself, but as is it, as it is written, one might think that he should have quoted some verse about how Jesus was helping other people. But he quotes a verse from the book of Psalms. So he quotes this verse from Psalm 69, verse 9. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So he's speaking... When, when, when David writes this in the book of Psalms, David was speaking of himself, that people were attacking him for his testimony of God, but he was also speaking prophetically of Christ. He was speaking prophetically because, and we know that. We know that. We know that because in the same sentence in Psalm 69 verse 9, it says, the zeal for thy house has consumed me. And it was that verse that was spoken about Jesus. And this verse, too, is spoken about Christ. So we know that it, it is nailed. I mean, this is a prophetic verse. So David was speaking about it of himself. He was also speaking prophetically about Jesus. But you see how it's kind of an odd verse to put in there. When he's showing the example of Christ having served other people, then of all verses he pulls out, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Meaning that the insults, the attacks that people want to speak against God have fallen upon Jesus. How does this fit in with an example that he's trying to give us of Jesus serving the other. It is Jesus serving his Father. Fundamentally, when we serve others, when we serve others, we are not just serving the individual. We are serving God. We are serving our Lord. Fundamentally, and this is why I want you to take hold of this, because very often you will go and try to serve somebody and they will be unappreciative. You'll feel like, I just did so much for this person and they're like, Ignored me. Welcome to the Christian life. That's it. This is what you bought into. When you accepted the Lord and want to walk with Him, this is what you're buying into. This is Christian life. Very often we serve and it goes unappreciated by the people whom whom we are serving. It does not go unappreciated by God. It does not go unappreciated by Jesus. That's why Jesus said, whoever serves me, the Father will honor him. 
God will bring honor upon you for serving. Serving, if we rely on the praise and thanks of individuals, we will never, ever be satisfied. Fundamentally, our service is to Jesus Christ. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And you see this, people say, how, how can you... Why do these people hate you so much on the internet? One guy was just saying, why, why did he say all these things about me? I just, I, I can't understand why he feels that he has to attack in this way. I'm like, it doesn't surprise me a bit. It doesn't surprise me one bit. This is exactly how it's supposed to occur. Jesus told us that in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, verse 18 onward, it says, if the world hates you, You know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the word will love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. And so... There's this duality. I mean, some people really respect the things that I have to say and other people just absolutely hate it. But Jesus told me, he says, if the world hates you, know it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you, but I chose you out of the world and it's because of this that the world hates you. This is exactly what it is. You will not always be appreciated for your walk. You will not always be appreciated for your Christian faith. You say, well, that doesn't really happen to me. The world doesn't really hate me. There's nobody who really hates me. Just wait. Just wait. There will be people that will come against you at times in life that makes absolutely no sense, where you feel that you've given to them, you've been kind to them, and they will just put it right back in your face. But remember, this is exactly what Jesus said would happen. Blessed are you when when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you on account of me. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. But woe to you if all men speak well of you. Jesus said, woe to you if all men speak well of you. For so they spoke of the false prophets. So this this is his warning. The reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. Fundamentally, our service is to the Lord. This is what he's talking about. That's, that, that's what this whole thing is about. Verse 4 of Romans chapter 15. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. Whoa. This verse is amazing. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. Did you know that the Bible was written for our instruction? You know, God didn't need to have this Bible written. He knew all this already. He did it for our sake. And people have risked their lives protecting this word and treasuring this word and copying this word in order to have it propagate. He says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. This word was written for our instruction. It would be good if we paid attention to it. He says, It was written for our instruction 
so that through perseverance and the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. The, the Scriptures encourage us. The Scriptures give us hope. The Scriptures encourage us and give us hope. You feel downtrodden? Read the Scriptures. Psalm 119. If you feel that there's some distance between you and the Lord, I urge you to pick up Psalm 119 and start reading it. That is a long, long psalm. And just read it slowly. Read a verse, think about it. Read a verse, think about it. That's meditative reading. You will not get done without with that psalm without feeling closer to God. It will just bring life to your soul. It will bring life to your soul. Again and again, I tell students, the best way you can learn and grow is take hold of the Scriptures. Over and over again, we are told. In Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. And people have been so skewed because of this success word. The Bible speaks about it. It's not talking about it in the context of money. It's talking about it in the context of a depth of relationship and a leading of God. And it comes, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. The scripture puts it two ways, day and night and every day. Why do we do this? So that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. And when you walk according to this word, you will be blessed. He talks about it again in, in, uh, in, in Psalm 1. In Psalm 1, How blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. There it is again. What's the outcome of meditating day and night? Funny you should ask. It says it right here. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. When everyone else is drying up, you will have plenty. You will have plenty. Spiritually, you will have plenty. Plenty to share, plenty to overflow into other people's lives. When other people are empty, you will have plenty. If you meditate every day on the Word of God. If you don't, you won't. Alright? It's digital. You don't meditate on the Word of God, you won't have plenty. You meditate on the Word of God, you will have plenty. I mean, we get this instruction. Look in, I want you to look in Deuteronomy chapter 17. There's this beautiful portion, Deuteronomy chapter 17. He's instructing Israel what to do when you get a king. None of the kings walked in this. But this was the instruction long before they ever had a king. This is, remember, this Moses is writing this in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 14. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you and possess it and live in it, and you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations who are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your countrymen you shall set as king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourselves who is not your countryman. Moreover, he shall not multiply horses for himself, 
nor shall he cause people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never again return that way. He shall not multiply wise for himself, or else his heart will turn away, nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold from, for himself. None of the kings followed this. Not David, none of them. They were not to have multiple wives. People could have multiple wives in those days, except the kings. They were not to amass riches for themselves. They were not to amass horses for themselves. Look at all these things that they were supposed to not do. Well, what were they supposed to do? Here's what they were supposed to do. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 18. Now it shall come about, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. So he was to take the law of the Lord, which were the writings of Moses, and he was to write his own copy on a scroll. Right? They wrote on scrolls. He was to write his own copy in the presence of the Levitical priests. He couldn't do it alone. He had to make sure that a priest was watching him to make sure, oh, 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 you forgot to dot that letter I right there. I mean, he had to make sure it was right. Big scrolls. And what does he do with this scroll? Oh, he puts it on a little stand in his home so that when people come in, they can see it, right? No, not right. What's he supposed to do with this copy of the scroll? Verse 19, And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life. He had to bring it with him. Going out to battle, bring the scrolls with you. You, 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 go, you go to a synagogue and look, look at, the, at the, the Torah on a scroll. It's not little. Imagine if you had to copy the first five books of the Bible and even using small print. I mean, that'd be a pretty hefty volume if you had to write that by hand. And uh, and he said it was to be with him and he was to read it all the days of his life. There it is, every day, all the days of his life. If you are not reading the scriptures every day, you will forever be spiritually weak. Do you know what every day means? Did you know that every day is different than three days a week? Did you know that? All right? A does not equal B. All right? And... You read it every day or you will remain spiritually weak. You are to read it every day. You have the convenience of having the whole Bible on your smartphone. You have it right there. You are to read it every day. Well, why, why should I? Why, 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 why should I do this? Funny you should ask. He answers it right here. It shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his, uh, days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by carefully observing all the words of the law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above, above his countrymen. So he says, he says, why you should read it? He says, that you may learn to fear the Lord his God. Did you know you don't inherently just walk around with the fear of God? You learn the fear of God. You learn to fear God. You read his word and you go, whoa, I see the results of what happens when people disobey God. See it right here in his word. This is historically what has happened. You disobey God, your life is a disaster. You obey God, there is great blessing. Great blessing. 
Remember, you'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. You'll have success wherever you go. This is what we just read. It says, It shall be with him, he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by carefully observing all the words of this law. When you read it, you learn to fear God and you learn to observe it. How can you observe the Word of God if you never read it? We should read the Word of God and go, Uh-oh. Whoa. Wow. There's another thing in my life I've got to change. That's exactly what should happen when we read the Word of God. There's another thing in my life that I've got to change. There's another thing that I, I, I shouldn't be doing. There's another thing that I shouldn't be saying. Because He's conforming us to the image of His Son. By observing all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen. Wow! You read the Word of God, it keeps us from pride. What happens to a king? You know, a king is like a a basketball player. You know, they just get all these accolades. And, uh, you you know, you, you, you take this... This 18-year-old out of high school and they become a professional basketball player and they're just hard to be around because all these people are telling them how great they are. I'll tell you, if, if, if people told me how great I was all the time, my pride would just explode. I'm not picking on the basketball players. I mean, an 18-year-old being told how wonderful they are and making gazillions of dollars, being able to buy all sorts of stuff and all these people just, just wanting to be like them. This would destroy anybody. But you read the Word of God and it keeps you from pride because you read it and you go, uh-oh, my life's a mess in comparison. Pride is so disgusting because everybody sees it except ourselves. It's like it's written upon our forehead. And everyone can see it except ourselves. It says, you read this Word of God, it will keep you from pride. It'll... So, so that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen. Imagine the king. I mean, the king. All the respect they get. This is what keeps you from pride, is this word. And that they may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left. If you're not in this word every day, you have a tendency to turn aside from the command. Well, that doesn't really matter. That doesn't really matter. No, it's, uh, it really matters. You be daily in the Word of God. You see these things really matter. So that his sons may continue long in his kingdom in the midst of Israel. So that his sons may continue long. This passes down to your children. You take this Word of God. You make it your daily meditation. Your children will be greatly blessed. Your children will be greatly blessed if you make this Word of God your meditation. The Scriptures make it very clear over and over again. This passes down to your children. In Psalm 112, he talks about this precisely. Psalm 112, he says, he says, uh, uh, verse 1, Praise the Lord, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in His commandments. You will be blessed if you fear the Lord and greatly delight in His commandments. You take this Word of God, you make it your delight, what's the outcome? His descendants, Psalm 112, verse 2, His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Your descendants will be mighty on earth. One day, 
One day you will, you will have children. And you will look at this child and you would, you'll look at this child and you think, I would give my life a hundred times for this child. This is just sort of the way God has made us. What you can do that is the very best thing for your child is be daily in the Word of God. If you're daily in the Word of God, your descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. The best thing that you can do for your children, for your family, is to be in the Word of God. It's the best thing that you can do for your marriage is to be in the Word of God. It keeps you from pride. It teaches you not to be selfish. It instructs you. It teaches you about harsh words. I mean, there's constant instruction where he's calling us to go beyond ourselves. If you think, you're making such a big deal out of this. It's not that hard. Oh, really? Half, 50% of the marriages that occur in the church don't last. In the church. You say, well, we love each other. I have never known anybody to get married to somebody that they didn't love. Quote, unquote, love. Now, maybe it happens somebody gets married to somebody because, you know, they just want to spite their mother or something. I guess that could happen. But just because you love them, well, you'll stop loving them tomorrow. Especially when they say something that really hurts your feelings. You be in the Word of God. This is why he tells us in Romans chapter 15. He says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of Scriptures, we might have hope. You have hope through perseverance and the encouragement of Scriptures. He puts two things on there. Perseverance and the encouragement of Scriptures. We spoke about the Scriptures, and then there's perseverance. We do not give up. And you will give up if you're not in the Scriptures. If you're in the Scriptures every day, you will become so so muscular in the Scriptures that you won't give up. It just makes you so much stronger. The Scriptures give you hope. There are mornings when I wake up and I look over the list of things that I have to get done that day, and I think there's no way. Just... I, I should just get up right now and just start my day, and I know it would be a disaster. I spend time in prayer and in the Word of God, and I come out of that time like a roaring lion. God gives me new strength. He gives me calmness in the midst of storms. We have perseverance through the encouragement of Scriptures. If you don't know the Lord, you can't walk in this. If you don't know the Lord, it's hard to absorb what the Scriptures are talking about. If you have not accepted Jesus, you don't have this sort of uh, of, of uh, perseverance that he's talking about that we have. This perseverance comes through the Word of God. And fundamentally, here's where it comes from. He tells us in the next verse. Verse 5. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. Look at it. He says in verse 4, he says we need through perseverance and the encouragement of Scripture. Verse 5, now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement. It all comes from God. It all comes from God. It's all His gift. It's all His gift. To be able to take the Scriptures and have life coming out of it, you get to know the Lord. You receive Jesus and the Scriptures come alive. I remember in high school picking up the Bible and trying to read it. And I thought... I don't even understand this thing. What's it? Why, why is everybody talking about this thing? What's with this? And they just put it down. It made like zero sense to me. When I got saved, 
it came alive. When Jesus came into my life, the scriptures came alive. And they are more alive to me now than they were on the first day that I got saved. The more time I spend with them, the more alive they become. I can be walking along, I hear a scripture verse, boom, it just stops me in my tracks. Because I have this tremendous fear, this tremendous reverence and respect for every word in the scripture. Somebody says a verse, it just gets my attention. Because immediately I know that's God's word. That's God's word. To the man on the street, to the woman on the street, they can hear anybody with a cult, in, in, in some cult speaking. They can't tell the difference between what they're saying and the Bible and the Word of God. To those who are trained in the Word of God, they immediately can recognize a cult. And immediately recognize when somebody is speaking some cult nonsense. Because they've been trained in the Word of God. They know what the characteristics are of the Word of God. Even if they don't know that exact verse, they know the characteristics of the Word of God. And it's God who gives perseverance and encouragement. It's not like, yeah, just something within me and I, I persevered. Nope, you'll wear out. Perseverance comes from God. Perseverance comes from God. That's what we're told. And encouragement comes from God. He is the source of everything. And we shall forever be grateful to Jesus because all the love of God is funneled to us in Jesus Christ. The light of God shines to us through the prism of Jesus Christ. Kindness and and Jesus is everything to us. Everything. It all comes through Jesus. If you do not know the Lord, I urge you to come this day. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and learn from me. And take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You want to lighten your burden, you learn to give that burden over to Jesus. You got like a million things to do because finals are coming and you got so much to do in like two weeks. You have so much to do and then you have a week of finals and you're like, I I don't, I don't know how I could accomplish all I have to accomplish in these next three weeks. Does anybody feel that way? And, and, uh, um, and there are seasons of life that hit you like this. Even if I had six weeks to do it all, I couldn't do it all. You take, you come to Jesus, you take His burden and lay your burdens at the foot of the cross. And you will get this. If you do not know the Lord, I urge you this day to come to know the Lord. Come and talk to me. I will share with you. I will stop what I'm doing and I will share with you. I will set up a time to share with you. If you're online, I will share with you. Just send me an email, tour at drjamestour.org. I will get with you. We'll set up a time and I'll share with you. And you'll get saved. You'll get saved very quickly. You'll probably get saved that very day, that very hour that we meet. You'll get saved. You say, well, how can you know for sure? Well, I just I just know by probabilities. 90% plus of the people that I meet with that way by Zoom get saved. All right? So the chances are you too will get saved. Please reach out to me and and, uh, let's get this thing dealt with. Then you'll be able to extract from the Word of God these precious truths. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the Word of God. Thank you so much for what you've done for us. Lord, this word is an absolute treasure, an absolute treasure. Lord, I pray for these young people that they would get hold of this practice to every day, every day, 
every day be in the Word of God. Father, that they, that their hearts would not be lifted up among their countrymen. That they would learn to fear God and observe His commandments. Father, I pray that through this, that they would be able to live long on the earth. Father, I pray that through this, they would be able to see what it is to be like a a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in its season. And in whatever they they do, even when disasters in life come, there would be prosperity. Lord, I pray your grace upon these young people. Father, I pray that they would bring this word of God into their lives because as they do this, this will set it up for their children to be blessed as they are daily in the word of God. Father, do this in their lives, I pray. And Lord, I I pray that they would take hold of the treasures and take hold of the truth. And for the unbelievers, Father, that their hearts and their minds would be opened to receiving Jesus, to walking in the truth of his resurrection. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Blessed be his name. Lord, all glory to you. Lord, you deserve all glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done for us on the cross. We remember how you died for us, how you were buried, and how you rose again from the dead. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. We're talking about. Because...